You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Russian hackers appear to have turned their attention to German political targets as well as politicians in the U.S. New strains of ransomware are out. Mamba is as dangerous to networks as its namesake is to human tissue. The Air Force Association is taking up cyber in its annual meetings. And North Korea parts the curtain in front of its domains. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, September 21st, 2016. Election hacking may not be confined to United States targets. German news outlets are reporting that a number of senior politicians and their staffs have come under cyber attack, apparently by Russian actors. There's no name assigned to this particular bear yet, but doubtless one is coming. The Bundestag sustained compromises last year. The current round of intrusions extends to political party organizations in the country's lender, that is, down to what Americans would call the state level. It appears the attacker's initial approach was through a long series of phishing emails purporting to originate in NATO. The timing of the attack suggests an interest in elections, and German newspapers are significantly juxtaposing the story with coverage of election-related hacking in the U.S. The vulnerability Cisco found in the course of its investigation of the shadow broker exploits is said to be actively used by attackers in the wild. Patches and mitigations are expected soon. More ransomware enters circulation, some of it unsophisticated. Detox Crypto is distributed in a poorly crafted imitation of Malwarebytes communication. Other strains are being carried by bogus FedEx failed delivery notices. But some of it is sophisticated indeed and dangerous. Mamba, also known as HDD Cryptor, is unusually dangerous. Mamba locks hard drives, encrypts files in mounted drives and network shares, and overwrites master boot records. We've been spending some time down at the Air Force Association's annual Airspace and Cyber Conference, just south of the District of Columbia. While the conference was, as one attendee put it, heavy industry heavy, this year's version featured a conscious effort to devote significant attention to cyber. You'll find accounts of the conference at thecyberwire.com. But we were struck by the Air Force Operations Chief's emphasis on working out effective command and control mechanisms for cyber operations, and by the Service IT Chief's commitment to looking for commercial solutions to Air Force challenges. And the chief of personnel faces the same tight labor market the cyber industry does, with the added challenge posed by a complex workforce and some cultural obstacles to what she called the agility necessary to recruit, develop, and retain cyber talent. Two initiatives stood out to us. 
Everyone had very good things to say about Cyber Patriot, the Air Force Association-led Northrop Grumman-supported youth cyber education program. And the Military Cyber Professional Association was also present on the floor, a young group organized to support and foster the growth of the profession. Both of these will bear watching. Matthew Green is an assistant professor at the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute, and he's well known in the industry for his work in cryptography and other security technology. He's one of the keynote speakers at the AppSec USA 2016 conference coming up in October in Washington, D.C. We checked in with Matthew Green for a preview of his presentation. So there's been a pretty big debate going on right now about... uh making encryption a little bit more tractable for law enforcement. So I've spent a lot of my time in the last year, maybe year and a half, fighting with a lot of people about this because, you know, uh, the proposals that are being put out right now for making encryption uh, easier for folks to decrypt also have this kind of side effect that they make encryption a lot worse. And if you've been paying any attention the last uh, however many years, uh, you know that things aren't going very well for us. And uh, by us, I mean everybody who uses uh, computers and relies on them being secure. So uh, encryption is one of the best tools we have for fixing that problem. If we start by weakening it or, or doing something to limit it, uh, we're, we're really starting out on the wrong foot. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about how we've done that wrong in the past and what we could do wrong in the future. So let's dig into that a little bit. I mean, there's there's been this notion, certainly, you know, we saw in the last year, the incident with Apple and the FBI, this notion of is it possible to have a, a, a backdoor that is both a backdoor and secure? What are your thoughts on that? I mean, the way you just put it, I think, is uh, is a pretty good illustration of why it's so difficult. So you want to let people in, but only the right people. However, the right people are going to be, uh, you know, a lot of right people. So you have a lot of different people in law enforcement, courts. Uh, all over the place, not very technically savvy people. All of those people have to be able to get into your encryption. Uh, And by your encryption, I mean everybody's encryption. It's not just going to be Apple and Google. It's going to be small, you know, companies developing apps, you know, and everybody who who does anything with encryption in the long run. Uh, So you want to let all of those people get into your encryption. You want to keep all of the very sophisticated, sometimes nation-state funded attackers out. And I have a very hard time seeing how we're going to do that. Because the difference between somebody like uh, Guccifer, you know, where we have somebody who's extraordinarily sophisticated and pretty good at getting into things, and at the same time, you know, that's the person we want to keep out, but at the same time, we want to keep let in folks who are very technically unsavvy, who are writing pieces of paper and saying, you know, here's a court order, let somebody into this encryption. I see a very, uh, I think it's going to be very hard to make that kind of system work. And at a technical level, in the process of trying to make it work, I think we're going to screw it up in all kinds of new and exciting ways we haven't even thought of yet. So would, where do you see this headed? Is is there a possible, is there some meeting in the middle where both sides can get closer to what they want? Right now, I think we already are meeting in the middle to some extent. So you probably saw the headlines in the last day or two about the FBI uh, gaining you know, really powerful hacking powers. They are now legally allowed or, or about to be allowed to essentially hack anything they want, and that includes end devices. Um, the FBI is developing this capability, and they're getting pretty good at it. And they, they, you know, clearly, they got into this San Bernardino iPhone last year, and they didn't do it through a backdoor. They did it by hacking. So I think we're already heading towards some kind of meet in the middle where this is how device access is handled, is, is the FBI just learns to hack. That doesn't mean they see this as a compromise. They, they want backdoors, too.
the good guys say, the, the people who are calling themselves good guys, they say, well, you know, as long as we have judicial oversight, uh, what's the problem here? What's, what's the worry? Yeah, what I'm, what I'm going to talk about in my presentation is kind of the history of how, you know, good ideas, you know, the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions and how apparently good ideas can turn into bad ideas. And those bad ideas can hurt us even, you know, a decade plus after the initial idea is over. And so really, uh, you know, I want to give a little bit of a history lesson talking about previous attempts to limit and weaken encryption and how they didn't really go very well. Um, so, you know, for example, back in the 90s, there were laws that said if you want to download a browser, you had to either download the strong U.S. one and prove, you know, assert you were from the U.S. or if you were from another country, you had to download the weak one. And that stuff, you know, with these export-grade uh, crypto systems, as recently as 2014, 2015, there were bugs in SSL and TLS that were still exploitable because those leftover systems were still in the standard. Um, and so, so it's kind of an illustration how, of how even well-meaning ideas can lead to all sorts of unintended consequences, and they just linger. That's Matthew Green from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. He'll be keynoting at the upcoming AppSec USA 2016 conference in October in Washington, D.C. It's gratifying to see responsible disclosure of an Internet of Things vulnerability on the part of researchers, and equally gratifying to see receptivity and responsiveness on the part of the vendor whose product is affected. We mean, of course, the demonstration by a group of Chinese researchers of vulnerabilities in Tesla cars. They were able to open sunroofs, turn blinkers on, and, most disturbingly, apply the brakes while the car was in motion. They disclosed the issues to Tesla, which has patched them, and thanked the researchers. The researchers coordinated their announcement with Tesla's fix. We heard at the Billington Automotive Cybersecurity Summit in July that the auto industry was determined to invite and encourage and act on responsible disclosure. The Tesla fix looks like a good omen. And finally, we hear a great deal about North Korean activity in cyberspace, from the country's alleged role in the Sony hack, to perennial expressions of concern from Seoul that Pyongyang has its fingers in as many South Korean networks as possible. But we hear much less about what the Internet might actually look like inside North Korea itself. If you were betting that the North Korean web wasn't exactly that familiar mashup of Woodstock, Burning Man, the Wild West, BronyCon, and Moss Eisley that most of the rest of us have grown accustomed to, you'd be right. Late Monday, an IT error in the Hermit Kingdom inadvertently, we think, allowed domain administrators to request a list of the DPRK's top-level domains. An alert watcher did just that and posted the results to Reddit. There are, it turns out, a total of 28.pk domains. Not 28,000, just 28. And TechCrunch thinks the sites on those top-level domains are likely to be busy because, as TechCrunch says, that's what being on Reddit will do for you. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps. 
keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Joining me is Jonathan Katz. He's a professor of computer science at the University of Maryland and director of the Maryland Cybersecurity Center. Uh, Jonathan, we saw a story come by recently that Google is turning on HSTS encryption on its domain. Um, Give us some background here. What are we talking about with HSTS encryption? Well, as you know, uh, when you're connecting to a sensitive website, like a banking website or uh, your email or things like that, uh, you generally want to do that over a secure connection uh, over HTTPS. And what this uh, new mechanism does is actually it's um, something that the uh, website will provide, uh, which will tell the user's browser to only allow secure connections to the site. And this would basically have the effect of preventing the user from mistakenly uh, opening up an insecure connection with that website. So is this basically protecting the user from themselves so, so they don't you know, inadvertently uh, pass along insecure data? Yeah, exactly. So what a user might do, for example, is go to, you know, if they're connecting to uh, Gmail, they might go to their web uh, browser and type in HTTP uh, colon slash slash mail.google.com. And if they did that in general, then that would open up an insecure connection. Uh, And to open up a secure connection, they would have to know to type in HTTPS mail.google.com. And what this HTTPS does for you, actually, is that if, if the user ever connect securely to uh, the Gmail backend server, then from that point on, the browser will ensure that the user only ever opens up a secure connection. So even if the user mistakenly types an HTTP and forgets the S, uh, the browser will know to automatically initiate a secure connection anyway. And in fact, it won't even allow the user to initiate an insecure connection. So we're really heading towards uh, towards this, this time of w- when all connections really should be secure. Yeah, that's right. So, so you know, Google has moved toward that in general, and they've been um, uh, they've made available secure connections to all of their services. And what this does is add an extra layer of protection uh, to protect either against user mistakes, like I was talking about earlier, or also phishing attempts. Right? If a uh, if if a if an attacker sends a user an email with an embedded link to Google.com, uh, which is a link with an HTTP rather than HTTPS then this mechanism will still protect the user in that case, and again, will only allow the user to open up a secure connection. All right, Jonathan Katz, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, 
Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.